Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. The future of payments includes a world where consumers and businesses can move funds to anywhere in the world instantaneously, 24-7, 365, with full transparency, privacy, and security. While there's an agreement on the desired outcome, there are multiple paths to achieve this goal, leveraging various payment rails, artificial intelligence, blockchain technology, and even digital currencies. We are fortunate to have Luke Jeb, Executive Vice President of Amex Digital Labs with us on the show today. He will discuss the massive changes that have occurred in the payments marketplace since the pandemic and the ways Amex has responded to these challenges. Even before COVID-19, the way people paid for goods and services was rapidly shifting to digital payments, a shift that may ultimately lead to a cashless global society. In fact, according to PwC, global cashless payment volumes are set to increase by more than 80% between this year and 2025. So how does this and other marketplace changes impact legacy payment organizations? I'm excited to have Luke Jeb, Executive Vice President of Amex Digital Labs on the show today to discuss how American Express is responding to the opportunities and challenges surrounding payments today. Welcome to the show today, Luke. Before we start, could you provide our listeners a short background on your 20-year career at Amex? Sure. Yeah, I um, have spent most of my time at the company involved in digital product development. And uh, I have two stints with the company wrapped around a Web 1.0 startup. And I've uh, been lucky enough to work in markets like New York, living in London, and now, uh, now I'm working out of Philadelphia and I run Amex's digital lab. We should probably start by talking about the impact the pandemic had on both the technology initiatives at Amex, as well as the customer experience initiatives around payments. So I look at it as you, you in your intro, you mentioned this, it, it accelerated a number of trends that were already happening. So it kind of, um, you know, maybe pushed us forward a handful of years. Um, and what we saw is absolutely a, a large expansion of, you know, within our card network, card not present transactions, so different methods of, of e-commerce or remote commerce uh, or things like Apple Pay accelerating. Bigger picture, we also saw more account-to-account payments happening. So, you know, via open banking rails, more P2P payments happening, um, and uh, and some emergence of crypto and other uh, other, you know, kind of new rails that that could facilitate payments in the future. So all of that took like a, a solid leap forward with the pandemic, but all of that, you know, none of it is, is different in my mind than what we would have been seeing a couple of years hence. Obviously, the entire payments marketplace has been disrupted where consumers are using plastic or metal less often as they opt for mobile options where the credit card rails may not be used at all. What are some of the most significant changes you have seen that your team has had to respond to? Sure. Uh, so across a lot of the aspects of our business, there were pieces in place that allowed people to you know, flex their own experience. So uh, from the basics of what people are spending money on, uh, Amex cards have quite good coverage in all sorts of everyday spend categories, supermarkets, 
you know, uh, drug stores, et cetera. So people were able to simply shift their spend patterns to what they needed at that moment. And rewards, similar, we, we have a very diverse rewards program in membership rewards. It has, uh, you know, it's maybe most known for its travel redemption options, but it has tons of other redemption options. And we saw people, you know, shifting their redemption to more everyday categories. And uh, you also, you know, we spent a fair amount of time looking at our card value propositions and adapting them to pandemic times. So ensuring that there was really great value in terms of streaming services, uh, in terms of the types of things that people wanted to do in the middle of a pandemic in a lockdown when travel was, you know, really, uh, you know, close to zero for a solid almost a year. Uh, now, of course, travel has rebounded heavily. So having all of those options still out there, I think, has uh, worked in our favor and will be a big runway for us over the next few years. So you're, as I mentioned, a huge organization that needs to serve like numerous constituents, including the consumer, merchants, partners like Delta and Marriott, internal business units. So in Amex Digital Labs, how do you serve these multiple constituencies when you develop new products or new offerings? The main thing is we try to get out there and listen to them all. So whether it's uh, B2B meetings, whether it's uh, different forms of listening to our customers and what they're doing, uh, both on the card side and the merchant side, and, um, and listening for those insights and, you know, as an example, listening deeply to merchants led us to launch Amex Offers, which is, you know, comes out of this merchant interest to, uh, you know, merchant has a great service, a, a great offering, and they want to find more customers like the ones that they have. And so through listening to that, we created Amex Offers, which then also allows for the card member to save money and get an offer somewhere that they might like. And so kind of a win-win listening to all of our constituencies. So how do you approach innovation at Amex? Is it driven centrally or is it a process that's distributed across your teams or even outside your organization? So all business units are innovating at American Express and it is part of our DNA. And, uh, you know, we look to them to have deep expertise with the customers that they're currently serving and, you know, to enable enhancements on products that they already have uh, or adjacent products to those that they already have. But when the business units don't have the time, expertise or resources to get beyond a certain uh, spot, then that's where Digital Labs comes in and we might work with a, a startup or build something ourselves or work with a you know some other type of you know big tech entity and create something a couple years ahead of when a business unit might be ready to work on it and then we'll look to graduate that out to a business unit to run it in earnest as it you know kind of gets off of its feet and shows some success so can you talk a little bit about how you determine, you mentioned about outside entities, fintechs or whatever, how do you determine whether to build or buy when you talk about when it comes to expanding your product suite? You know, we have a bit of a, of a build first culture, to be honest. And so we have to check that and, you know, stop and think to ourselves, 
is there a player out there that could help accelerate us? And that could come in the form of an acquisition. Uh, it could come in the form of, an, of a minority investment and um, an operating agreement, or just simply uh, a partnership you know, with, with an entity that accelerates us. So, you know, maybe 10-ish years back, we were very much building 90% of the time. And now I think we follow a very diverse set of strategies for across build, buy, and partner. When you look at that build or partner or even purchase, how do you approach the potential partnership or purchase of technologies from fintech firms? Because as you said, very much like any large organization in the finance services area right now is you're, you're, you were, you're built as a, a build from within type organization. But when it comes to speed, I would imagine, or even some innovations, you, you have to look at entities in a new way and say, you know, is this something that we should just basically purchase? How do you look at that in today's marketplace? Yeah, so we have teams that specialize in, you know, whether it's, you know, startups, uh, you know, kind of emerging uh, small companies, big tech, you know, we have teams decked against, um, you know, working on roadmaps with all of the big tech uh, companies and and uh, a massive team out there that manages our merchant base that end up being a source of a lot of, uh, of innovation. So uh, we have a lot of feelers out there. And then in terms of our approach, we just we try to make it a win win because it is hard to for each incremental partnership that you forge, whether it's even the legal process and, and you know, the process of getting to, um, you know, getting to a solution that works for both parties, you, you want to make sure it's a win win and that it's focused on the long term because otherwise there's a lot of time to be wasted. So uh, we really look to make sure that each entity that we're partnering with is getting something good at it as you know, out of it as we are. So as I mentioned, you, you, Amex is very unique in that you have major relationships on both sides of the payments equation. How do you leverage payment insights to drive the innovation process at Amex? So it, it um, having the the kind of closed loop that we have in which we have merchant data and we have card member data and the transactions between them does allow us to see where the growth trends are and to focus our efforts and you know uh many many years ago it was easy to see that e-commerce was one of the highest growth areas um in the business because we're sitting over that data set and we can see you know divide it all up into industries and customer types and see uh, where the growth is coming and then make sure that we're embracing that. So, uh, you know, with something like e-commerce, working with all of the big platforms and and big tech, uh, as well as some of our own uh, innovations along the way to ensure that we're making it super easy and valuable for our customers to use American Express when they are out, you know, doing e-commerce. Well, and you mentioned earlier in the, the podcast that with Amex so ingrained within travel, entertainment, things that really were shut down during the pandemic, you had to make a number of adjustments, not only to your product set, 
but also to your rewards program because of the pandemic, which probably set a brand new foundation level that as we're coming a little bit out of the pandemic makes it a little bit easier to work and also gives you some flexibility as an organization. Can you discuss some of the changes, some of the new products that may have made it here and, and what prompted these changes? A lot of, kind of as I discussed before, a lot of um, uh, the changes in habit during the pandemic played to optionality that we already had in the system. Um, yes, while we are known as a travel and entertainment player, uh, our network is all set up to handle, you know, everyday transactions. We have outstanding coverage in those areas uh, and, and similar, you know, with our rewards program. But, um, you know, if, if we think about some of the overall trend lines, and what we were working with even going into the pandemic before it and accelerated during it would be other types of payments that are going digital, such as P2P payments. Instead of, you know, paying, I don't know, a gardener, you know, uh, at your house, you know, with cash or with check, you know, that that is happening through P2P platforms, often like a PayPal and a Venmo. And so we worked uh, really hard with them to integrate those platforms into our mobile app um, and allow our customers to set aside, you know, move funds from a credit card into a P2P uh, send uh, account that is specific for that purpose and then pay anyone on the PayPal or, or Venmo network. And that's something that has proven very, very valuable uh, during 2021 and, you know, continues to grow into 2022. So how does MX as an organization then? Because you, you mentioned the Venmo and the PayPals, and I, I use my MX card quite a bit through my Amazon uh, relationships as well as through my mobile app. How do you try to ingrain engagement into the MX brand when really the gateway to that may be with another brand entirely? I think continually focused on customer value. And, uh, you know, I think that, if we're bringing something with a partner to the table for our customers, um, you know, we just look to add as much value as we can and uh, and deliver for our customers what they would want and let the rest, you know, fall where it may. I think that's worked pretty well for our brand over time. And uh, and, you know, the the brand may have been more standalone and and uh and, you know, yeah, standalone really like 20 or 30 years ago, you know, almost even before I was even a customer. Uh, but these days, the, the tie-ins are uh, many, you know, from Delta to Amazon to PayPal to, you know, every other player out there. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's worked well for us and our customers have been uh, appreciating those kinds of things that we bring to the table. You know, you know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned about the value proposition. You know, I come out of the traditional retail banking industry and, and it drives me nuts. And we always drive everything down to the zero cost gain and and without thinking about the value proposition. And I, I 
when I used to do a lot of international speaking, I'd ask people, you know, in in the United States as well as elsewhere, you know, how many of you have an Amazon account and how many of you, uh, you know, ever question the amount you pay every year for the right to shop, even though, uh, you know, delivery is free as it as with every big box player right now. And people don't question it because they get the value proposition in return. And, you know, I, I pay a, a, hef- for the, a very hefty sum for my platinum card with American Express, but I never challenged the, the re- renewal because the value proposition, what I get for it, and it's probably different for every consumer, but you keep track of that. And that's a, a big difference between the way that Amex looks at their customer base and what I'll say traditional retail banking looks there. So. Let's take a and short break. That's a product that we keep yeah, improving and that uh, we keep pricing for it. And it's getting more and more popular over time, you know, as as the, you know, the value grows. Uh, and so uh, I think, yeah, your experience is pretty common. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of the podcast. This show is sponsored by FIS. Have you ever felt frustrated in checking out online or making a payment over the phone? The go-kart team at FIS Impact Lab certainly was, and that's why they created a better payment experience. Go-kart recognizes your email and lets you pay quickly anywhere with no passwords and no long forms. You can pay faster for anything, even things you wouldn't expect like healthcare, professional services, and more. Go-Kart also goes beyond online checkout and allows you to pay easily by email, text, and even with QR codes. If you sell products or services online or in-store, find out how you can use Go-Kart to simplify payments and increase your sales at gokartpay.com slash podcast. FIS, advancing the way the world pays, banks, and invests. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back. I am joined today by Luke Chep. Executive Vice President of Amex Digital Labs. We've been discussing the payments innovation process at Amex and how a legendary financial institution can remain relevant in a marketplace that's disrupted by outside players. So, Luke, it's no secret that there are new players, big and small, that are dramatically impacting the payments ecosystem and even the lending ecosystem. How does Amex respond to these non-traditional competitors that often have less overhead, are very agile, and are highly focused on the customer experience, as is Amex? Sure. We look to learn from them and partner with them as much as possible if there's something unique that is being brought to the table. And we've developed a number of partnership models that work really well, from starting with a minority investment if it's a if it's you know let's say a series a or series b player that uh has something interesting and synergistic with american express we'll make an uh, an investment and we'll uh create an operating agreement with them and go test things um and so that that uh that works really well at the small end um and at the large end of the market you know with kind of the big tech players, as an example, we're we're working with them and building on a consistent basis, not not 
creating one-off partnerships here or there, but constantly like working to uh, ensure that our products and services are well integrated together. You know, one of the major changes that happened in the payments marketplace this year, and, and, and really it's interesting because it's not really a major change, just a new marketing of an old concept. It's the whole buy now, pay later um, mechanism. And, and how has Amex felt about what that's what's happened there, but also the new players that are really doing a lot to, to dramatically change the profile of how, you know, let's say, the lower end consumer is really addressing payments. We've paid a lot of attention to it, and uh, there have been impressive gains by a lot of those players. We have a, a product called Pay It Planet that is an installment uh, product that we launched four or five years ago now. I could be slightly off in the in the number of years, but I was around uh, helping with the launch and, and helping with the mobile experience of it. And our customers love that product, and it it uh, it speaks to a generation of customers in a different way about loans that learned that you know having any sort of outstanding balance with a credit card is a very bad idea, and so instead, very transparent installments with a very specific fee that you can look at uh, and and see and know that it's not going to spiral out of control. Our customers love it too, and uh, and we see that product growing dramatically. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned, you know, this is not a new product for you either. It's just a repositioning of a product that was in place that maybe wasn't used as much as it's it's currently doing it with with all the other organizations focusing on that. So, another major area of discussion payments today is the increasing interest in blockchain technology, NFTs, and cryptocurrency. What work has been done by Amex around this potentially completely new payment alternative? Yeah, it it, um, it is a fascinating space for sure. And a few areas that we're looking at, I mean, we don't have new announcements to make on this day, but, but here's what I find interesting. Certainly, our customers are using cryptocurrencies as assets uh, and stores of value and we want to help our customers do what you know, the things that they want to do. So that's interesting to us. Uh, the NFT space, uh, especially as it evolves and becomes a tool of engagement between artists and their super fans, uh, we're interested there. And we, you know, we we did an NFT drop with SZA, and we see uh, going you know, further into uh, a number of areas from there, but where we're helping connect artists with their super fans in our base and maybe using NFTs as um, as uh, kind of the, the unit of currency between them and the, and the contract between them. So uh, that's interesting. And then clearly, uh, you know, payments, big picture, you know, you could see a chain like Ethereum becoming a settlement layer for uh, cross-border, you know, movement of money, that sort of thing. And and uh, so uh, that's definitely an interest area for us as well, um, you know, on the, on the kind of like merchant settlement side of the business. So there's uh, a lot, a lot of intrigue there. And um, and. Yeah, we're we're focused on it as well. You know, it, your your job has got to been have gotten just 
dramatically more interesting almost every day because you can you open the the trade pubs and you go, geez, I didn't see this coming or something else comes about. You know, many organizations that are major players have made overtures also around the development of super app or something embracing open banking to embed more than simply payments into the consumer's life. And, and you know, it really is revolving around those organizations that have the most insight into consumer behavior. Do you see Amex going into more of the direction around, and it's used so frequently, but in so many different ways, around the super app um, projection? And do you see Amex going that direction possibly? I think in the U.S. market, it's a fine line. Like, so we've looked very, uh, very hard at some of the Asian super app players and uh, what they're up to, and you know, look to learn as much as possible from what has been successful there. And what is really cool is that the payment moment does provide this like high frequency use case that works well for, you know. Uh, uh, WeChat, as an example, and, and building engagement. Uh, you know, when I when I look at the U.S. market, there is kind of a fine line, though. The American Express app, the the card servicing app, is JD Power award winning. It has a lot of functionality, both obviously all the things that you can do in terms of your card, but you can also make P two P send payments in it. You can find our lounges, you can uh, you can do banking increasingly inside of our app. And there's tons of functionality there. And it's and as I said, it is JD Power award winning. So our you know customers are giving it great feedback. But when you get into a depth area like dining and, and look at our acquisition of Resi, if a customer is gonna deeply immerse themselves in finding and booking a restaurant reservation, we think that that is a separate app experience in our Resi app, and that makes sense. And it has its own um, kind of like depth and breadth that it has to deal with. And, um, you know, we don't see the U.S. market going the WeChat way where it's kind of a, a you know, an applet inside of WeChat to find your restaurant and book it. Like in the U.S. market, we see people continuing to use apps like Resi. You've also, you mentioned banking. You also recently announced the introduction of a fully digital business check account that connects with an existing American Express credit cards and comes with a debit card as well. Can you share the strategy behind this and a little bit move and, and also the acquisition of Cabbage in 2020? The, these are moves uh, made by our uh, commercial business unit. And when we talked about innovation coming from business units and uh, and then my digital labs team working kind of beyond what the business units are kind of up to, um, you know, with their current resources. This is an example of something that is totally championed by the commercial business. And we're looking to meet the payments and cash flow needs of small businesses so that they can run and grow their business. And, uh, and you will you know, cabbage fits right into that. Um, back to the, you know, the app conversation, you know, if, if a business is going to really run their business on, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it's got to have a lot more functionality than a credit card, you know, than the basic, you know, credit card, uh, you know, T&E functionality. And so, uh, you'll see us, having, you know, that kind of offering to the small business customers and becoming, 
a more essential part of their life. You know, it, it's interesting because I, I look at my business re- relationship and I, I have a business bank, but I don't consider that my business partner. Um, they don't use the data. They don't, they don't track the data, but it's also, I receive payments through a third party app. I disperse money through a third party app. And you mentioned it that in the business area, the small business area specifically, there's a huge gap between the needs of a small business and what most traditional banks are providing. And, you know, to, to combine a business checking account, a business debit card and credit card, and also the services of the cabbage really fills a need that isn't filled in one place right now. And I, I thought it was very interesting play, but one that really fills a, a major gap in the marketplace right now. So as you, as, you, as you look at the payment marketplace today, what do you see as the biggest opportunity in the marketplace? So big picture, you see, you know, old analog payments yielding to digital payments of a variety of types, right? So cash going away, you know, paper checks going away, uh, yielding to, uh, you know, wind at the back of many of the systems that are up and running presently. So, you know, more credit card volume, you know, our volumes are well up over pre-pandemic levels. So you have more things going to, to credit cards, whether those physical cards are present at the point of transaction or not, they're, you know, running across credit card rails. You have more uh, account to account. So, you know, open banking style transactions for sure, more P2P transactions. And I think, you know, also you'll see crypto coming on the scene. And as these transactions go from analog to digital, then you have all these services that you can interlay within them, like buy now, pay later. Um, Because if you're walking into a merchant with a wad of cash, you know, that's not really conducive to them saying like, okay, well, why don't you, okay, I'll write you up for a loan or whatever that's, you know, but when all of that is happening digitally and you can, you know, you have some history on the individual, you know what they might need, you can make them a good offer and and execute on it really well in digital channels. So um, I just, I think that adding more services and functionality on top of the movement of digital money is like the big, the big kind of uh, opportunity in front of us. And it's, it's uh, to your earlier point, it's, it's uh, multi-pronged, a lot of, a lot of different ways to go with it. So really what you're saying is, if, if I'm correct in saying this, that you're really looking at that Amex has done quite well in the past is really the power of engagement beyond the transaction. That, that the loyalty is not going to come from how well you can process the transaction because the loyalty, the transaction part of it is getting easier and easier to move that around. On the other hand, it's the engagement beyond the, the transaction that you're really spending a lot of time focusing on, isn't it? That's absolutely right. Yeah. So so do you have any trends or predictions that you have around the, the future of payments? Something, something big that may or may not happen in the next year or so? Sure. I mean kind of following on what I said before, a growth in all uh, in all these digital payment rails, credit card, account to account, P2P, uh, and new use cases for crypto in payments. All, you know, growth, wind at the back of all of those. Um, and I think you'll see more and more new functionality emerging on those rails and um, 
certainly faster, more efficient cross-border payments, uh, you know, comes to mind. Uh, but yeah, many areas where just simply using these new rails will facilitate better experiences and better value add outside of the transaction. Great to have you on the show today. You're the first person from Amex we've had on the show. We've been trying for quite some time because I, you know, I, we sometimes forget about because it is so seamless and it and it's part of our life having Amex around. But the reality is your organization probably has had to do as much pivoting as any as the marketplace has changed over time. And, and what's interesting is to see how the innovation function within Amex continues to evolve and the products and services that you continue to be out there with that that really are changing the marketplace and changing for all the, all the other players as well in an area that certainly the payments area is, is extraordinarily fluid right now. So again, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform. Raise the top five banking podcast and winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. It really helps us get guests like Luke on the show and helps us get future guests. Finally, be sure to catch our recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Leah Longbreak, our producer, audio engineer Sean Rowe Hoffman, and video producer Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Rose. Until next time, remember, Creativity is thinking up new things. Innovation is doing new things. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.